The basic science of the creation of a psychopath is something of an oxymoron. It's not basic at all. There are many different factors that go into creating a psychopath, and it's really quite impossible to narrow it down to one determining factor. There is a concept that has been floating around the study of psychology for quite a while now, which is the influence of nature versus nurture. Nurture being how a person grew up and was treated as a child, and what environmental influences they had. Nature is the biological predisposition an individual has to mental illness like psychopathy or sociopathy, whether that be found in your genetic makeup or brain. But which of these has a stronger pull over a person as they grow up? Can a person who is genetically predisposed to psychopathy avoid their fate? Or can a psychopath be created with no biological predisposition whatsoever? Essentially, a psychopath is just another name for someone who has antisocial personality disorder. Some traits of APD are that a person blatantly disregards or violates the rights of others, is impulsive, irresponsible, deceitful, manipulative, and lacking in guilt or remorse. People with this disorder often appear to have no conscience and no sense of morality. They are often also referred to as sociopaths, but there is one key difference between psychopaths and sociopaths. Sociopaths have a very particular sense of morality that may lead them to commit violent acts, while psychopaths have no sense of morality at all and do not have normal emotional responses, including responses to threats, and psychopaths have a higher level of impulsivity than sociopaths. Before we get ahead of ourselves, many different mental illnesses have not been found to have a single genetic marker yet. Psychopathy itself has just recently found a single gene that can predispose violence in an individual. But this does not necessarily mean that someone with that gene will without a doubt become a psychopath. It is avoidable. Nature is not independent of nurture and vice versa. They feed into each other, but someone who has dealt a bad hand and had a traumatic childhood in addition to having this gene can end up a psychopath. This gene is called the warrior gene. The warrior gene is called as such because it is often found in people who live in countries that have had a history of war and violence. Essentially, the warrior gene is a variant of the monoamine oxidase A gene, which is in charge of regulating the enzyme monoamine oxidase A. This enzyme breaks down important neurotransmitters in the brain, such as dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. The monoamine oxidase A gene, more easily referred to as the MAOA gene, has two variations, the low-activity form or the warrior gene, and the high-activity form. People with the low-activity form of the MAOA gene produce less of the enzyme, resulting in higher levels of aggression. Like I said before, however, this gene alone does not produce a psychopath. It simply encourages one. There is much evidence that shows that childhood trauma is a significant factor in any mental illness, and this does not exclude psychopathy. As children, we are told that certain things are bad and we shouldn't do them. Let's use hurting your sibling and lying as examples. We are told not to do either. Lying to your parents about how many pieces of candy you had does not directly hurt anybody. Hurting your sibling obviously does. Kids are less resistant to lying than they are hurting their sibling, and this could be because hurting someone has an empathy factor. Dr. Christian Kaiser explains this difference in his article, Inside the Mind of a Psychopath, Empathic But Not Always, by stating, Each time you hurt someone, that person's distress becomes your pain, and you start to associate your vicarious pain with harming others. Violence then starts to feel intrinsically bad. Someone who lacks empathy would not have this distinction. The only thing keeping them from hurting their sibling is the punishment which affects them, but not the guilt, because it isn't there. 
This is why most serial killers are psychopaths. The only thing keeping them from killing is the punishment, but if they think they won't get caught, there is nothing in their mind that is stopping them. Not only can genes and trauma affect you, however, if there is something physically wrong with your brain, people can have psychopathic tendencies. This is no different from any other mental illness that has any grounding in brain chemistry. There is one main part of your brain that controls the emotional responses psychopaths lack, which is the limbic system. Within the limbic system is the amygdala, which is the main control center for emotions within the limbic system. Without getting too sciencey about it, if there is something wrong with your amygdala or limbic system, there is likely something wrong with your fear responses, emotional reactions to violence, and empathy, all of which are things that psychopaths tend to have problems with. A prime example of this distinction could be one of the first mass shootings that happened in 1966 by a man named Charles Joseph Whitman. As a former Marine, Whitman was skilled in operating guns as a sharpshooter. He joined the Marines in 1959 and remained a Marine until he was honorably discharged by 1965. By that time, he had married his wife, Catherine Leisner. It is important to note that his father was physically abusive to his mother as he was growing up, as this could be the trauma factor. In 1965, Whitman began to have severe headaches and visited several doctors who prescribed many pain medications for him. One of the doctors suggested Whitman see his campus psychiatrist after he mentioned feelings of rage, confusion, and violent impulses. In 1966, his mother finally resolved to leave his father, and she moved to Austin, Texas, which was close to where her son attended the University of Texas. After having battled his feelings of aggression and violence for a while now, Whitman could stand it no longer and began writing his suicide note at 6.45 p.m. on July 31, 1966. His note read, I do not really understand myself these days. I am supposed to be an average, reasonable, and intelligent young man. However, lately, I cannot recall when it started. I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. After one session, I never saw the doctor again, and since then I have been fighting my mental turmoil alone, and seemingly to no avail. After my death, I wish that an autopsy would be performed on me to see if there is any visible physical disorder. After expressing that he planned to kill his wife, his note continued. I don't want her to have to face the embarrassment my actions would have surely have caused her. I truly do not consider this world worth living in and I'm prepared to die, and I do not want to leave her to suffer alone in it. Similar reasons have provoked me to take my mother's life. After midnight that night, Whitman traveled to his mother's home and killed her by stabbing her. Whitman then returned home and killed his wife at around 3 a.m. that morning. He again documented his actions but said nothing more of his plans for later that day. Whitman then gathered his weapons and traveled to the University of Texas at 11.30 a.m., going up to the observation deck and killing three people on his way up. Once at the top of the tower, Whitman opened fire and killed a total of 11 people and wounding 31 others 230 feet below him, one of which would die a number of years later from the complications. After killing a total of 17 people that day, Whitman was fatally shot by a police officer roughly 90 minutes after he opened fire due to slow response times of police in an age where communication was limited. 
In his note, Whitman further requested that his money go to mental illness research and that there be an autopsy done to identify anything physically wrong with him. It was found that he had a pecan-sized tumor pushing on his amygdala, and it was later theorized that this inhibited the emotional responses he should have been having. So in the end, which is more important, nature or nurture? I would say neither. Nobody wants to become a psychopath, so I would say that the most important thing is overcoming your odds. Now that we have the technology to scan brains for things that may affect behavior, we can move into research on how we can prevent psychopathy. And just because you possess a warrior gene does not mean you will become a psychopath, and having a traumatic childhood does not mean that either. If you have both factors, it may be a bit harder, but maybe being aware that having a certain gene would make you more resistant to psychopathy. Just like having a traumatic childhood might make someone want to leave their past behind them. Easier said than done, I know. But it is possible, and that is a hope that people should cling to. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk.